Hi, this is Father Bill W. I am an alcoholic living here in Austin, Texas, and welcome to the podcast. Um, if you are new to uh, to listening to, uh, to some, of, some of my recordings, I'd encourage you to go to our website. It's called Two-Way Prayer, and uh, there you can get some history of uh, some of the early AA practices that they did uh, surrounding the 11th step. Uh, that's what uh, I'm most interested in. And uh, as we do these uh, these podcast series, what I would really like to do is take some of the information uh, and and uh, that's, that's that surrounds two way prayer and kind of expand on it so that you get a deeper appreciation of how to do it. And uh, maybe in this case, in, in this series, it's really why to do it. So we're going to look here at the uh, at the life of Bill Wilson, and I don't want to approach this so much as a history lesson, uh, though it's interesting. Uh, there, there are plenty of books out there uh, on the history, but what I want to try to do is is look at some of the key events in Wilson's life and, and dig a little bit deeper into them and see how it is that two way prayer. Uh, can affect uh, um, the change, the emotional change, the psychological change, the spiritual change that is really necessary to find good, lasting, peaceful recovery. And Bill Wilson, I mean, gosh, so much of AA centers around him, uh, his philosophy of life, uh, the story of his life. So I think it could be interesting if we uh, approached it from that uh from that standpoint. Now, uh, I was thinking in, get, in getting ready for this series uh, um, to, to, to divide them up into eight separate parts. And, and the first part, without question, was going to have to be on uh, Wilson's childhood, the wounded child, I'm uh, calling it. And, you know, every time I, I, I go to an AA meeting, and I, I've been to thousands of them over the years, and, and when a speaker gets up there and he or she starts their story, and they start by saying, well, at age 16 or so, I had my first drink. And then they proceed on uh, from that point. I'm always kind of disappointed because I know that they've left out a lot. Um, there's, there's, see, there's something about those formative years that we all go through. And, and, and most of us go through hell in, the, in that process. And then we spend a major part of our life kind of going back and um, redoing or re or healing, that's even better, healing some of those wounds that we collected, particularly in early childhood. And that's certainly the case with Bill Wilson. So that's the way I want to uh, approach this, this particular series and, and this episode. So let's, let's dig in with Wilson. He's born in... Uh, 1895, November 26th, uh, in East Dorset, Vermont. Had an opportunity to go up there and visit his home, the birth home, uh, many, many years ago. Beautiful, beautiful uh, section of Vermont, right, nestled in the Green Mountains. And uh, his father was uh, Gilman uh, Wilson and mother Emily Griffith, uh, later Wilson. 
his father was a quarry man. And, and, and if you visit that scene up there, you, you, the, the mountains are, are filled with marble and uh, stones and uh, granite. And, and Gilly was a quarry man, so he would dig out those stones. And many of the monuments in New York City uh, had, had their birthplace, like Wilson, uh, in East Dorset, Vermont. They, they were carried down to the city and Grant's tomb uh, on the west side of Manhattan was uh, composed of that. Um, Gilly and his wife, Emily, seem to have had a very troubled marriage uh, from uh, the beginning. And one biographer wrote something I thought it was uh, um, insightful. He said, he said, some people suffer the misfortune of having one parent dreadfully unsuited to the role, but Bill seems to have had two. So there were problems coming at him from, from both sides of his family, from, from both parents. <clears throat> from all the reports we, we can gather, Bill's father had uh, a long history of infidelities. He was not faithful to his wife, and he was also a heavy drinker, uh, probably a functional alcoholic. Wilson could never bring himself to say that his father was uh, indeed an alcoholic. But So there's Gilly, and he's trapped in a very unhappy marriage. But his son, William, uh, totally... I, I idolized him. So uh, Robert Thompson wrote uh, the official biography of, of Wilson, or semi-official anyway. And he says, uh, he says this, when he stood beside, beside his father, Bill Wilson never felt too tall. He never felt skinny then or thought his ears stuck out too far, which they did. And he was never afraid that he was going to do something awkward that would make people laugh and call him beanpole. If his father was nearby, there was nothing to fear. Now, growing up, I suspect that uh, Bill self-described as a very sensitive uh, kid could feel the tension, the growing tension that was going on uh, between his parents. But at age 11, uh, the marriage exploded. His parents finally divorced. Um, reports are that Gilly had an affair with the town minister's daughter, and that was, I guess, the last straw uh, for his wife. Bill's father uh, left town, left the family, moved to British Columbia in Western Canada and Bill wouldn't see his father again for some 11 years. And when he did, this was kind of insightful. Uh, he, he reported, we had very little to say to one another. We had very little to say to one another. And a real note of sadness in that. Uh, one trauma, and I want to kind of approach this from a, a, the standpoint of experiencing traumas in early life, things that feel life-threatening to a kid. Uh, one trauma expert writes this, he said, repeated trauma in adult life erodes the structure of the personality already formed, but repeated trauma in childhood forms 
and deforms the personality. So it's the time when we are trying to become a self and, and the environment around us makes that really, really difficult. It isn't safe. Things are about to explode at any moment. When does the bomb go off? I was raised in an alcoholic family, and that was that was the feeling I, I, I had when as soon as I walked in the door, I needed to take the temperature. We're going to have an explosion today, you know? Uh, we're walking on eggshells. When do the bombs start going off? So the first big trauma I, I would suggest is is this divorce. and and uh, I want I want to look at about three or four of his traumatic events. So here's um, here's the scene, uh, how he learns of the divorce uh, in his own autobiography. And this was a taped uh, session that uh, Wilson did for Thompson's biography, which was written. But he recorded these, and, and they've come out in a book, and we will have that uh, link at the end of, uh, of this podcast. It's, it's worth reading, because to hear it uh, from his own lips is is more important to me than hearing it filtered through through an author. So here's Bill describing the scene. Mother took Dorothy and me on what we thought was to be a picnic at Emerald Lake. We sat on the southwest shore under a shade tree, and Mother seemed very quiet, and I think Dorothy and I both had a sense of foreboding. Then it was that Mother told us father had gone for good. To this day, I shiver every time I recall that scene on the grass by the lakefront. It was an agonizing experience for one who apparently had the emotional sensitivity that I had. However, I hid the wound and never talked about this with anybody, even my sister. You know, um, when, when um, trauma strikes, you freeze. And when it, trauma strikes repeatedly, you freeze a lot. Um, and, and, and you go to a place inside where you can't be hurt, where it's going to be safe. And so alcoholics and addicts, I think we're often said, well, we're not very feeling people. And, and I don't know that that's true. I, I, I don't think it was true in Bill's case. I think the case was more that he was a very sensitive kid and was easily hurt. And because he was so easily hurt, he, he withdrew further and further into himself. So it's not a case of not feeling. It's perhaps a case of feeling too much or feeling uh, too intensely. After... Bill's father left, uh, his mother returned to school. She became an osteopathic physician. And uh, not long after that, here comes another little trauma, his mother took his sister, Dorothy, to live with her in Boston. But Billy was left to grow up with her parents. He was left behind. And what do you think that did to a sensitive young boy? Eh? Uh, first, his father leaves. 
the love of his life. And then he's left with his mother, who wasn't so affectionate. She had a really hard time establishing relationships. Bill's, Bill's relationship with his mother had been troubled for, for many, many years. She suffered from severe emotional problems. All of the uh, historians uh, attest to that. She would go away for long periods of time. She was treated in a sanitarium. Uh, she wasn't emotionally available. Uh, she was very bright, but never really grew close to her son. And, and I think that's really significant uh, later in Bill's life. Bill puts it this way, and he reports a scene that, that's really kind of indicative of uh, what was going on there in that relationship. He said, my mother was a disciplinarian. And I can remember the agony of hostility and fear that I went through when she administered her first good tanning with the back of a hairbrush. Somehow, I could never forget that beating. It made an indelible impression on me. And here's the part, for I really think that she was angry. He, Billy, Bill could sense the, the rage in his mother and that rage being directed towards him. What do you do with that? Thompson, in his biography, goes a little deeper. Um, and, and, and so, so you got to remember, Bill is, is taping this stuff, and, and he's doing it for the benefit of Thompson, who's writing the biography. He writes, Bill couldn't even remember what he'd done to provoke that thrashing but he remembered the wild anger in her eyes and his own impotent terror as he was forced to stretch his body out awkwardly, naked and ashamed across his mother's lap. Can you, I hope you can feel the wound. Uh, I, I, I certainly can. And, and even more importantly than that, I hope this can help open up some of our wounds um, because if we, uh, if we are unwilling to go and revisit them in some way, in a healthy way, they're going to continue to plague us. You know, when, when, uh, when I get myself in trouble emotionally, sometimes I'm able to stop and uh, pull myself aside and say, how old are you right now? Yeah, and almost invariably, if I can really trace it back, this is not just a, a three or four column inventory. This is a real in-depth thing of what's going on in my, in my soul here. Hey, what's, what's going on in the deepest part of me? Um, I'm four or five years old, and I'm terrified. See, I'm terrified. So we have this thing called the, the inner child. And we're going to speak about that a little bit towards the end um, uh, because I think it's really significant. Uh, when I started doing the two-way prayer, uh, I listened to, to God for many, many years. Uh, and then somebody, uh, a guy by the name of Mike Falls, Episcopal priest, uh, had studied under John Bradshaw, did a lot of inner child work. And he taught me how to do, how to do that work. And I got to tell you, it made all the difference uh, in the quality of my prayer. 
sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll go to pray to Jesus and Jesus will say, don't talk to me. Go talk to that kid. Go talk to that little Billy in you who's, uh, who's hurting and afraid and, uh, and, and left out. And you go and you help heal him. And then you can come back and talk to me. See, you can't just cover this thing up with, uh, with God. You can't cover it up with meetings. You got to go through it. And, and going through it often means going back and putting the pieces together again because they got blown apart. You know, um, many of you be aware are aware that uh, uh, William James, father of American psychology, played a significant role in the development of Alcoholics Anonymous. At least William uh, Bill Wilson said that he did uh, because he wrote that book, Varieties of Religious Experiences, that explained uh, how do you have this psychic change? How do you, how do you, how do you, how, how does the psyche get rearranged? And um, another another biographer of um, Wilson's uh, focuses on a word that William James used um, in his teaching. He taught at Harvard, and it's a German word. Uh, it's Zerissenheit. Zerissenheit. And what it means, the translation of the word, it's so beautiful. It's torn to pieces hood. Torn to pieces hood. <clears throat> and, and to me, that's a, it's a beautiful phrase for the brokenness that, that really plagues human beings. And, and certainly so many of us alcoholics and addicts, we're, we're torn to pieces hood. And so, and so what we need to do is go back there and, uh, and revisit the scene of the crime and, uh, and find healing for that. And that may not sound like prayer to you, but to me, it's the deepest form of prayer because uh, the problem, as we say in the program, is separation. The solution is joining. Some of us are, are deeply separated. We're deeply torn apart. And, and the work of the prayer is, is to go back and to begin bringing those parts together. And I believe much of that is done through reparenting the child within. Bill Wilson talks about a couple of the areas that his childhood affected in later life. And uh, this is, this is I think, is significant. He said, <clears throat> one was intimacy. A lot of alcoholics and addicts have great problems with intimacy. And Bill, Bill says this, I cannot remember having any really intimate friends. My neurosis was under development. And if anything characterizes the neurotic, it is his inability to form partnerships. I was forever trying to dominate somebody or else was dominated by somebody. As I look back on it, I see that was almost invariably the case. So you get down to some of these deep, deep uh, seated uh, neurotic tendencies that we've got, the wounds, let's call them wounds, it's, it's, uh, it's probably closer. That they, that, that they result in, in two ways. Um, 
One, one is that I try to dominate. Uh, I try to control. Uh, and that, that's one, <laughs> one direction that isn't going to work. And the other direction that uh, isn't going to work is, is I look for somebody to save me from, uh, from my situation. But to, to uh, really kind of become a self, to grow into selfhood, which is really what the recovery journey is about. Eh? Uh, I mean, that, that's ultimately what we have to come to. Second thing he, he notices is the power drive, eh? where he was at war with himself. And he had to become the number one man. Um, he says this, I had many playmates, but I think I regarded all of them as competitors. At everything, I must excel. And the, there's a famous incident of the boomerang. His, his grandfather told him, uh, only an Australian or Aborigine can uh, develop a boomerang, can, can uh, shape, form, whittle a boomerang. And Wilson said, oh, yeah? Watch me. And for some months, he tried and tried and tried, and he, and he finally succeeded. And, and when he describes that in his, uh, in his writings, uh, or in even some of his AA talks, uh, you could feel that, that I am somebody. I am what he calls, uh, he says this, from then on, I had become a number one man. It was always number one, number one, number one. You want to get to the depths of um, uh, some, some of the uh, unconscious stuff that's going on inside of us. Look towards that, towards the power drive, the inability to form relationships, and then the power to dominate or to be dominated. Uh, Bill goes on, he, he, he masters the violin. Um, he becomes president of the YMCA. He becomes captain of his baseball team. But here's the thing. He's driven to do it. It's not that he does it and isn't that nice. It's he does it and what's next because it isn't enough. When, when, when you go up against the unconscious... See, the unconscious has no boundaries. It has no limits. Uh, and then I think it's one of the things that leads to, you know, it's the first drink is too much. Uh, you know, um, it's not enough. That, that, whole, that whole thing. Because I'm up against the unconscious. And the, uh, the unconscious has no boundaries. So, I mean, I've worked with people who've got, had, had lots and lots of money. And, oh, my God, if I just had some more. If I just had some more, then I'd be okay. Well, how much you got? You know, 15 million, 20 million. But if I had 40, then I'd be comfortable. <laughs> you get to 40, they're going to want 60 or 80, you know, because it has nothing to do with the money. It has everything to do with what's going on deep, deep inside of them. And, 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 and for that, there's, there's never enough. One last trauma I, I do want to touch on, and that was his, his first love. Uh, a young girl by the name of Bertha Bamford, and uh, fell in love with her, deeply in love, uh, as teenagers can do. And she goes off to um, have some surgery. It wasn't a terribly difficult surgery in New York City. Um, and she never returned. Died on the operating table, hemorrhaged. Uh, 
she was the daughter of a local minister, Episcopal minister. And uh, Wilson says this, with me, it was simply a cataclysm of such anguish as I had never known. Bill goes into a three-year depression. He says, it eventuated in what was called an old-fashioned nervous breakdown, tremendous depression. I used to sneak out and go to the graveyard where she was buried. My whole life utterly collapsed. It takes very little psych psychiatry knowledge, he says, to figure the situation out. I wanted to die. My heart was broken. I, 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 I believe it at some level, uh, addiction is a death wish. And, um, and the solution is not just not drinking. Uh, the solution is finding the sources of life, finding new sources of life within me and learning to live from those places rather than the place of the ego, but from the place of the, the God self, the inner self, the Christ nature, the Buddha nature, call it what you will, but the source of energy that really lies inside each and every one of us. Who appears on the scene when Bill is in this tremendous depression? Um, it's, it's Lois Burnham, uh, uh, three, almost four years uh, older than Bill. Bill reports it this way, we fell in love. I was cured temporarily of my neurosis. At the unconscious level, I have no doubt that she was already becoming my mother. And I haven't any question that that was a very heavy component in her interest in me. I think Lois came along and picked me up as tenderly as a child. Now, Bill had a, a, a number of infidelities. Uh, some AA historians uh, want to take issue with that. Uh, I'm a believer that, that he did. Uh, he certainly had uh, one that was uh, well attested to. Uh, but from my visit, visiting with a number of people who knew him, uh, there, there were many. And, and again, what's he looking for there? Uh, what's, what's the food addict looking for, you know, in the cheesecake? What's, uh, you know, um, what's the alcoholic looking for at the bottom of the bottle? He's, he's, he's looking for that which the addiction cannot give. And that's what's key to going back and uh, examining our, our, our childhoods. Hey? So um, here's, here's Carl Jung um, talking about this inner child um, in a very beautiful way. Uh, so I hope you'll hear it. He said, in every adult, there lurks a child an eternal child, something that is always becoming, is never completed, and calls for unceasing care, attention, and education. That is the part of the human personality which wants to develop and become whole. Now to me, the purpose of two-way prayer is not to become holy, Hope my bishop isn't listening to this. <laughs> but I think actually he'd agree with me. The purpose is not to become holy. 
the purpose is to become whole. The pur- the purpose of prayer is to is is to is to gather together uh, the parts that have been uh, shattered and bring them back together. And and I can't do that by myself. You know, uh, for that I need God. I need the guidance of God. I need the direction of God. Um, uh, I, I need the, the care of the fellowship. Uh, we need all sorts of things uh, to bring to our prayer lives. But I think one of the most important things is, is to go back to rescue that uh, child who got left behind um, and uh, um, bring, bring him into your two-way prayer. See, uh, so we got a couple of episodes that uh, you might want to revisit. Uh, uh, look back uh, several months ago, did one on the kid um, with Father Mike Falls uh, and another on scripting, wh- where we learn the lessons. So uh, t- t- take a listen to some of those in, in light of this. And we're going to go on and go a little deeper each, uh, each week now for eight weeks into the life of uh, Bill Wilson. Again, looking at it from the perspective of prayer, from the perspective of, uh, of healing and, um, and wholeness. So I, ho- I hope it's going to be a good series. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to, uh, to doing it. Love to hear from you. If, uh, if it's striking a chord, uh, drop me a line. You can reach me at uh, twowayprayer, T-W-O, twowayprayer at gmail.com. And uh, let us know, and we'll sign you up for the newsletter. Also, got a, a work a workshop coming up uh, pretty soon, and uh, we'll have those uh, um, bring your attention to those. Okay, some Zoom stuff. All right, God is working through Zoom these days and uh, doing a great job. Thanks so much for listening. Bye bye.